the upside of peacemakers, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at that today together, and hopefully the Lord will speak a word that you need this morning when you came in. Let's just look there in the NIV. It says simply these words. Chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the sons of God. It doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. It's not a bad thing to keep the peace. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons, the daughters of the Most High God. So there's a message truth that I put right at the very top of your teaching notes this morning. And it says simply this. He never intended for us to keep all that peace to ourselves. Peace is a gift to be shared with those around us. As Christians, it should mark our relationships. It should characterize the environment of our churches. And that's what I really pray is that churches across America, no, around the world are characterized. They personify peace. The peace of the rule of Christ. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, when we're young, and we're, especially if we're of the male gender, we grow up and sometimes we don't want to keep the peace, do we guys? We want to say, who's the strongest? Who's the baddest? My dad's bigger than your dad. My dad will beat your dad up. I mean, we say all kind of dumb things when we're young, you know? And then what's sad is every once in a while somebody's dad would show up like he's about as immature as you were, you know? Like, your dad's going to beat me up. I'm five, okay? That's really tough. I'm going to get in cruise. That's all I'm going to tell you, okay? That little fellow, I think he can take him. But it's a gift here. In the Bible, the word peace is used at least 400 times. It's a pretty constant theme in the Scripture. There's 31,103 verses in the Bible. I know because I counted them this week. No, I didn't. I've got great software, okay? In the middle verse of all the Bible, if you took all those verses down and you got to the very middle verse of the Bible, it's found in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. I have meditated on this verse over the years. Matter of fact, this would be a good verse for you to memorize this week. You might just write down Isaiah 26, 3 and go, this will be my memory verse this week. This month, this year. Let's say it together. Can you read it off the screen with me? You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. God, it's a promise that he would keep your mind and my mind not in just some kind of peace, in perfect peace, in steadfastness if our minds are set on what? On him. Not the affairs and the things of this world that just bring about anarchy and chaos and craziness and goofiness, whatever. God's like, man, set your mind on me. The idea of peace dominates the scriptures. Jesus said, I've come to give peace. The scripture says that Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. He's the prince of glory. And Man sinned, and when man sinned, we just saw a great video of the gospel, but when man sinned, peace was interrupted. Peace was broken. Peace was shattered, if you will. And at the cross, only at the cross of Christ, peace then becomes a reality again. And can you just say, bless the Lord? Bless the Lord. Peace came as a result 
of the cross. And you're saying, man, this is like already gospel-centric. We've seen a video on the gospel. And, and you know, at the end of the day, that's always my goal is that the gospel is proclaimed. Christ is exalted above our lives, above the church, above everything, and we give God glory. And that's what God wants for us. Nothing less, nothing more that we give him praise. And the Bible says that, and that one day Christ shall establish his kingdom of peace here on this earth with a new heaven and new earth forever and ever. And that is glorious news that there will be no more time for anything but peace. The peace of Christ. I met with somebody the other day and they go, I'm struggling with peace. I don't have peace. So when somebody tells me that, the very first thing I want to know is do they know Jesus? So I began to share Christ. And they said, yes, I've committed my life. I've repented. I've, I've believed the gospel. I've received Christ as my Savior and Lord. I go, okay, it's something else. And we began to drill down and hit on why he didn't have peace. And I'm back to that verse in Isaiah. If we set our minds on him, we have peace. And he establishes peace in our hearts. The Prince of Peace comes. This kingdom reality is for real. It's once and for all in our heart. But when there's no peace... There, there's a reason for pe no peace. And I want you to write down, I didn't have this in your notes, but maybe on the side, there's two oppositions. It's Satan it tries to rob and destroy our peace, and then it's the disobedience of mankind. It's Satan himself that tries to disrupt, uh, dislodge, to take peace, to nullify it in your life, or it's this just the disobedience of you and me when we sin against God, when we sin against each other, we disrupt peace, and, and peace is forfeited. And Christ says, but I want, your, I want my peace to be a part of you. The UN, the United Nations, it was set up to bring about what? Peace. World peace. And yet, as I did a little study on that, after the aftermath of World War II, they developed the agency called the UN in 1945, before I was born. And their idea was that there would be peace on earth. And since it's established, there's not been one single day of peace on the entire planet because it can only come in Jesus Christ. And the church said, now it was a lofty ideal to be a peacemaker, to be a peacekeeper, but the reality is only Christ, he's in charge of peace. He is peace himself. Peace is not just stopping the war. It's creating the righteousness of God in our hearts. That's where peace comes. Peace wants to dwell in our hearts in the form of a person. That person is Jesus. And so the Hebrew people today, and they've done it for centuries, they will say, shalom, y'all. No, they don't say shalom, y'all. That's Alabama. They say shalom. <laughs> I don't know why I said y'all, but anyway, I guess because I'm from Alabama. Shalom. And basically, it's like I want to invoke peace on you in the highest regard I want God's highest good for you. It's really a great greeting. Shalom. Now, if you run around Montgomery saying shalom, you're going, are, uh, are, you're Hebrew, are you? You're, you're converted. You're whatever. I mean, it, it sounds a little different just when you say shalom. But peace is so critical to the body of Christ. It's so critical to our hearts. And as I look at this this morning, I'm thinking about how do we become a peacemaker? Conflict resolution. Companies make a lot of money teaching conflict resolution skills. Let me ask you this. In this room, how many of you have taken some kind of course over your professional life for conflict resolution? Raise your hand. I'm going to give you a free course today and you don't even have to pay me. Okay? 
because conflict resolution, everybody wants to resolve conflict. No, that's not true. Everybody does not want to resolve conflict. Christians should resolve conflict. They should make peace. They should, uh, like in your home, a lot of times there's a need to make peace, so there needs to be peace in the marriage. Parenting, you're having craziness with your kids. Does that ever happen? Don't raise your hands. And, uh, and you need peace in there because mom's about ready to pull her hair out. Something. There's not peace at school. There's not peace in relationships. There's broken relationships, and Christ wants to turn it around. He wants to make it new and right. And a lot of times we say, well, we'll have peace if I just avoid the situation, if I just appease the other person, but, or, or here, here's what we'd say in our vernacular. Don't rock the... You, you know that, do you? That is horrible theology. No, that is no theology at all. Don't rock the boat. Rock it, baby. <laughs> Work it out. Work through our conflicts. We have to, to. To give in and to say peace at any price, I'll just give in. That's called codependency. That's not healthy. And the church said, I don't want any of that. I want the peace of Christ. I want it to rule in my heart. I want it to rule in my home. And the three things happen here when we don't have peace. You can write these down. It blocks fellowship with God. When you don't have peace in your heart, maybe you've got the peace of God in Christ, but you don't have peace with God because of broken fellowship, because of sin. 1 John 4.20 would be a great verse just to write beside that. The second thing is, when you don't have peace, it blocks your prayers. Your prayers like go up to the ceiling, they hit it, and they return. Uh, this morning, Jeremy and Doug and I were in the back room, and we were reading Psalm 66. And in Psalm 66, it says, If I cherish sin, if I cherish the iniquity of my heart, God doesn't hear my prayers. I want you to hear that. Just look at, uh, I, I don't remember the exact address. I know it's in Psalm 66. But if you and I cherish sin, if we're not willing to deal with our sin, we block out fellowship. We block out our prayers. And the third thing is, when we don't have peace, it blocks our happiness. Remember the word I, I started with, makarios, it means happy, blessed are you that do these things called the Beatitudes. We have the attitudes of Christ. Happy are you that have peace. You know when you walk into a relationship and peace is evident. It's soothing. It's calm. It's refreshing. It's joyful. So many times that's, that's where Christ is because he's the author of peace. He's righteousness, the presence of him. So who is a peacemaker today? The thought that I would give you this morning over and over is making peace, being a peacemaker is a decision. It's an act of your will that, God, I choose to make peace in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. I choose to make peace for the righteousness of Christ. I choose to make peace because it's a witness for my God. I choose to make peace because it will be happiness in my marriage. I choose to make peace because my relationships will thrive. I choose to make peace because of blank. Fill it in. Are you choosing to make peace? And God's like, in Proverbs 14, 34, it says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. God's into this righteousness that we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And this morning, we're just talking about peace and peacemaking and how critical that is and who we are. And so here's what I'd say. Do you want peace in your home? You go, well, sure, man. Everybody wants peace in their home. Then bring Jesus there. This morning, I can't think of a better illustration 
these moms and dads and grandparents were standing here and these kids were being dedicated in the temple, in the living room, in the sanctuary. And when parents bring Christ to their home and they raise kids in an environment of peace and you go and do, it didn't mean it's perfect because, I mean, you live in a home. I mean, I come to my house sometimes. I mean, it's not always peace because I live there, okay? <laughs> and, and, and I go to your house and it's always peaceful because you live there. <laughs> and your wife just went, amen. No, no, y'all need marriage counseling. That's this week, 2 o'clock. Okay, no. No, not necessarily. Peace. Christ wants to come to our homes. And let me, let me say this to you. This is critical. Where there's an area of no peace in your life, bring Jesus to that area. If there's not peace in your home, invite Jesus, the Lord of peace, to rule over your home. If there's not peace in your office, ask Christ to come and rule in your office. Students, if there's not peace in your school, your relationships are on your ball teams or your travel squads or whatever it is, ask Christ to come there. Wherever it is, invite Christ. Jesus wants to come. He wants to invoke peace. He wants to bring shalom to us if we're willing. Matthew 5, 9 from the NLT. God blesses those who are peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Isn't that what you want? These, these little kids today, created in the image of their father. But I want them to be true children of the most high God that they're born again. And I want you to be sons and daughters of Christ. And that's why we started with that little gospel video. It just, it just etches, it, it, it runs deep. It, it penetrates the heart of those that are willing to seek after Christ and, and go for him and be a peacemaker. You know, Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peace wishers. He didn't say, blessed are the peace hopers. He said, blessed are the peace makers. Making peace. That sounds like work. It is. I remember Don and I have been married a couple years, and we used to have Bible studies in our home when I worked for Caterpillar, and uh, we would have young couples. None of us had kids. And I still remember one of the couples that we loved dearly, and they were coming, and they hit a, rock, a rough road, and they go, we think we're going to split up. And Donna teamed up with her, and I teamed up with him. And today they've been married like one month longer than me and Donna. But we just said, you know what? This isn't God's will. This isn't God's best for them. So we thought, let's, let's work. Let's, let's witness. Let's be ministers of reconciliation. The Scripture says that's for all believers. I wasn't a pastor, but I was a believer. And what I'm saying, you know I tell you that story? Because some of y'all have some people in your life, and you need to be a peacemaker, and you need to go and step into that relationship with the presence of Christ. And the church said, you're like, well, I don't want to. I want to send him. I want her to go. It might be Christ is calling you to go. And your life, your witness can make a difference. William Barclay, an old commentator, he's had commentators out for a thousand years. That's a little exaggeration, but not much. He says in this verse, they are people who produce right relationships in every sphere of life. So when you're a peacemaker, you just produce the life of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. And those who are peacemakers, they, they plant seeds of righteousness. They, they add God. When we, when we have uh, peace and we make peace, I, I think it's even a form of evangelism. I think sometimes people will begin to ask questions because why are you a woman or a man of peace? And, and you get the answer, well, I'm not by human nature, <laughs> but by the presence of the living Christ in me, I'm, I'm a person of peace. I, I get to bring about change. I get to bring about what God wants. You get to use mediatorial words, mediators. LeBaron, you know about mediators because you're an attorney and and, and, and I think about your life, and I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, a retired judge in our city, and he's a mediator. He's a professional mediator. 
And he told me, he goes, I love mediation. He says, because I don't deal with juries. I don't deal with all this. I try to bring about a resolve. We, we try to bring about mediation. Do y'all know we have a great mediator in Christ Jesus? He mediates. He represents. He reconciles us with our sin by the blood of himself to a holy God. That is great news, church. God mediates. And God calls us into mediating sometimes or circumstances, relationships that can bring the presence of Christ. And what happens is when we become mediators, when we become peacemakers, heaven gets on notice. Heaven notices. Other people notice when you're a peacemaker. And I even think that hell takes notice when you become a peacemaker because it attacks you. <laughs> you're like, well, we didn't like that last part. We like heaven taking notice and other people knowing, not hell. I tell every young minister, every person that comes on this staff, and, and, and you know, you wonder why they even step up the first day. I go, now that you're coming on staff, you have a new target on your back. You're going to be a prime candidate for attacks. And they're like, oh, no. Because when you're living out the peace and the presence and the power and the witness of Christ, the devil always wants to try to isolate you and come against you. I, I remember for the longest time we talked to Tim Womble about being an elder, and Tim kept saying, no, 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 I know what that means. I know what that means. Very smart, very mature man. And then he knew that Christ had called him to that office, and he's been serving with me faithfully. And I'm thankful for Tim, but Tim's been attacked greatly for being an elder of this church. Our leadership team, they've been attacked some. Your staff, it gets attacked. You're, you're a Christian. You bear the light of Christ. Are you being attacked? When you really live for Christ, there will be times everybody's not going to be your best friend. But let's look at these seven things quickly with me. Seven things we should know about peace. Peace is not a truce. The world would just go, oh, peace, let's just make a truce. You see, a truce is temporary. It's external. And, and, and that's about the limit of it. But peace is is, is a work of God. Peace, the peace of Christ can become permanent and it's an internal thing that Christ works in our hearts. So peace is not a truce. The second thing is, peace is not the absence of conflict. A lot of times people go, peace at any price, peace, I just want peace, I'll give in, I'll do what you tell me, peace. That's not peace. That's just uh, being, uh, you know, dumb in, in the long run it's not smart it's just being passive aggressive I, I was trying to think of the words like I, I got a word here passive aggressive I mean don't look at anybody right now there are people in this room that are very passive aggressive and I'm not looking either because I don't want to stare at any of you okay and there are people that aren't and see people that are passive aggressive they can seem like oh everything's lovely pastor and then there's a knife in my back as they walk off. I've witnessed that in 20 years as a senior pastor. You've witnessed that in relationships, have you not, church? Peace is not a truce. Peace is not the absence of conflict. In this world, you will have much trouble, said Jesus Christ. He just promised it. Jesus is not in the prosperity gospel. Jesus already knew that you were going to suffer. It was going to be tough in this world, and there's conflict all over the world, all over the country, in our homes. Look at uh, Belfast, Ireland, and the Catholics and the Protestants, and they have an interesting thing there. They have a, a wall called the Peace Wall, and it kind of separates the people from each other. In downtown, they can do commerce and business, and outside of that, there's a lot of uh, disorder, non-peace. It, it's just tough. But this neutral place like divides, 
And so we, we don't have a wall like, you remember, in, was it 1989? Is that when the wall came down? Okay. I'll tell you 89. If I'm wrong, do a fact check. Okay. But I, I, I think, no, not right now. I should never say that in church because y'all are looking on, hey, hey, pastor, it's, you know, you got it wrong. It's like the other night, I thought I knew the answer. I was at a, a Save a Life pre-fundraising dinner, and Bethany Garth asked a question, and I was so proud of myself. I knew the answer, and I raised my hand like a little schoolboy. And she said, yes, pastor. I was wrong. I missed it by one year. Golly, I just, I hate when, you know, I, I thought I knew it. All right. I mean, you ever do that? You think you know it, but you don't? Okay. Prideful bunch we are. Here we are. All right, here we go. Peace. It's not the avoidance of strife. It's not the appeasement of uh, parties. It's not the accommodation of issues that we gloss over the problem. You know what? I'm not so foolish to think that y'all don't have problems. We all do. We have a Savior, but we have problems. So I hope this morning somebody will be convinced not to gloss over that, to be a peacemaker in your relationships. The third thing, peace is a person. And in parentheses, put Jesus Christ. I love that. Jesus is peace. He's a person. He wants to have a personal relationship with you and me. And it's the presence of Christ that brings about peace. So, Lord, I ask you to come and fill me and fill this room and fill the people that gather and the people that will watch with peace. Look at the fourth. Peacemakers are those, who's, are those disciples who strive to prevent contention and strife. They, they just don't want to be a part of that. They, they, they have a higher, loftier goal than strife and chaos. And, and they want to bring about the presence of Christ. And, and they want to uh, remove hostilities and, and bad situations from relationships. And they just, they work at it. And, and strife is not in their vocabulary. And I'm so, and we, we all know people like that. Some of you are people of that. And some of us all become people like that, that we remove that from our life. The fifth one, peace belongs to God and only him. He is not an author of confusion, but he is the author of peace. And God himself is peace. He is the person of Christ, and he wants to give us peace. I, I like what the scripture says um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Look on the screen. For he himself, being Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility. And I say, blessed be the name of the Lord God, our maker, our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. Amen? He counsels out hostility. The Bible says he took our sins and hostilities and he nailed them to the cross. And he was nailed at the Calvary for you and me. What a Christ. What a Savior. I find satisfaction in him. You know, when we talk about peace belongs to God, it means there's a bridge. And God bridges a bill, uh, 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 the gulf of sin and humanity, and God bridges that gulf through the person of Christ. And I pray it happens for us. The sixth one is critical. Peace should dominate your life as a Christ follower. It doesn't mean there's not times that you get a little contentious or a little strife or a little anxious and some of that, but overall, Christians Christ followers should be filled with the presence of peace because Christ dwells and rules in their hearts. And when they get out of sort, when they lose their peace, they should ask themselves, why am I not in peace? 
Is there a sin issue? Have I broken fellowship? Are there broken barriers or the things I went through earlier? Or you go, but Christ, I want you to come. I want you to dominate. This has become one of my biggest prayers in this season of my life. Lord Jesus, dominate me. Do you know what it means to be dominated by somebody? Do you you ever play football? Were you ever dominated by your opponent? (laughs) Yeah. And and here, Christ wants to be the dominating force of your life and mine. And when Christ dominates, oh, when Jesus dominates, there is abundant peace. You say, man, you gave us those six prayers last week. I've been working through those. I already had somebody come to me this morning and say, you know those prayers we did last week? Woo, those are tough. I know. And, and this one's even tougher. Lord Jesus, dominate me with your presence. I want to be a maker of peace, your perfect peace. Lord, I'm distressed. I'm in a, I'm in a tough situation. And uh, the cross provides righteousness. It provides peace for me, Lord. I, I, want you, I, want to, I, I want your presence to come and to just flood me, flood my soul. Because, Lord, as a result of that, some other people are going to see you. And they might consider faith in Christ because I'm practicing the presence and the peace of Christ. The seventh one, peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. The, the scripture here is uh, James 3.18. And, I, and I basically, I just, I just wrote that verse and I just put out a couple words. I just thought, man, that speaks for itself. Peacemakers, they, they decide to plant something and they plant seeds of peace. You know, the Bible universally teaches that what we sow, we reap. You sow peace, you reap peace. You sow havoc and discord, you reap it. Just try it in any relationship today and see if I'm not right. And Christ says, I want my presence to come. I want to feel you. But let me give you some couple practical steps that might help you. In being a peacemaker, And this is critical, guys, I want every guy to hear me. Every guy that's married, every guy that wants to be married, remember this. Make the first move. Initiate the step of reconciling, bringing peace in your marriage, in your home, in your family. And women, you have a responsibility too. Make moves. Make moves toward Christ. Make moves toward the other person. I just think it's healthy. Because sometimes we get out of whack. We just get out of alignment. And a lot of times if we just... I'll just ask the Holy Spirit, as we said last week, in search us. He'll reveal an area to us, and then we make the first move in faith. We reconcile. We, we turn to him. We're intentional. Healing comes. And we hear this all the time. Time heals. That is a lie. Let me, let me show you why I know that. Okay? Let's say Pastor Keith gets cancer, and I go to the doctor, and I sit out in the lobby, and I got a 2 o'clock appointment, and it's 5 o'clock, and I'm still there. And I stay to 6 because I really want to get well. And they all say, we're all going home for the night. And I say, well, I'll just sit here because time will heal it. <laughs> See how dumb that is? You're like, that's the dumbest illustration. No, it's really, I hear it all the time. Time will heal it, brother. Just give it a little time. No, Jesus heals stuff, not time. Amen. But we, so next time somebody gets sick or somebody's in a really tough situation, just go, time of healing. Just be patient. Man, time has no healing power. But Christ can resolve conflicts. Uh, 
We get distant. We get demanding. We get defensive. We want to control situations, and we want Christ to come. And Lord, we want, we, here's, here's another thing we need to ask if we want to be a peacemaker. God, give me wisdom. I, I, I love the verse. The verse is simply James 1.5. And in the Living Bible, a little bit different than I memorized out of the NIV years ago. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you. If any man lacks wisdom, God gives generously without finding fault to all those that love him, NIV. If you need wisdom to be a peacemaker, what do you do? If you need peace and you need wisdom to be a peacemaker, what do you do? Yes, God. God. This is a terrible situation. You think God's going, oh, I didn't notice. No, he's very aware. There is rebellion, anarchy, chaos, horrible situation in your midst, and you're a part of it. So go to the one that's the author of peace, Lord Jesus. Pastor said, if I invite you in, you have the ability and the desire and the capacity to heal things. And I go, God, this is good. Here, here's a, a, a quick one here, just uh, that we need to man up sometimes. We need to deal with our conflict. Isn't it a great, guys like that, man up. Just man up. All right, all right. You're like, okay, I'll man up. What am I going to do? Just man up. Hear me roar. I'm a man. Uh, that'll probably get you beat in the face or something. I don't know. That's not very smart. But be a man. Take spiritual leadership. Take initiative. You know, uh, here, here's one of grow up. Yeah, boy, that's a word I need to hear. Here we go. Here, here's a phrase I want you to write down. This, I'm almost at the end of this message. And I want you to hear this. This right here will bring peace. It helps to make peace about as quick as anything I know. Are you ready? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine words. Here it is. I'm going to give it to you. I am sorry. I was thinking only of myself. Ooh. I am sorry. Boy, that's hard to say sometimes, isn't it? I was thinking of only myself. It's a great place. This afternoon, maybe some of us need to practice that and go, I sinned. I blew it. I apologize. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I was thinking about me. And when I think about me, sin usually runs pretty rampant. And you're saying, wow, this peacemaking thing. Man, Jesus, well, he was into this. He wanted us downside up, and he wanted peace, and he wanted us to be peacemakers. And Jesus said it was going to be hard, yeah, but Jesus said he'd give you the strength and he'd give you the Holy Spirit. And uh, so maybe, you know, sometimes we say, well, my dad hurt me, my mom hurt me. Man, I'm sorry. We get hurt by people, don't we? But Christ wants to come and help us overcome and diffuse conflict in our life and be strong and, and to, to, to help us to understand other peoples instead of always being understood. Lord, we, we want your way. And, and then here's the thing. We speak the truth and we speak it with in a tactful manner. A lot, a, lot, a lot of times we can be right, but we can say it so boastfully, so arrogantly that nobody hears us. But when we speak the truth in the love of Christ, there's an opportunity for peace to come running and to fill and to heal and to fill the space. Lord, so help us look to you and focus on reconciliation. Help us to be, as Corinthians says, ministers of reconciliation. That 
You know, Jesus says in Corinthians, you're ambassadors of Christ. You're royal representatives of heaven. You represent the royal court of the Most High God. So I'm going to be a minister now of reconciliation as a believer of Christ. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust in what he has. I want to build bridges and not walls. I want to show myself to be a Christ follower. There is a, a scripture that's going to come up, and we've all said it or prayed it, and it's an aeronautic, uh greeting. It's something that's been said through the centuries. I, I, I like for you to say things out loud sometimes because sometimes it's like for me. I, I take extensive notes, and when I do that, I'm able to retain a lot more. And I know some of you are auditory, and you sit there and go, hey, man, I just hear everything you say. Like, God, you're really smart. I'm not. Well, when we say things out loud, sometimes, like when you memorize Scripture, you say it out loud, sometimes you catch it. Well, let's say this word, uh, let's read these scriptures together. Can, can you stand with me? Everybody just stand. Let's just stand. We're almost done. Everybody stand. Can you do this? Chris, you can come. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Let's say it again. Let's say it with the kingdom authority. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Man, isn't that a great blessing? We just bless one another this morning. And here's what I'm going to do. We're, we're about to walk out of the room. And I just want to have a prayer, and then we're just going to go. And I love you, and I, it's a joy to serve you as pastor. And I pray that somehow we're going to leave here today and go, I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to charge hell this afternoon with a water pistol. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going into chaos, and I'm bringing peace. I'm an instrument of righteousness. Amen. And some of you are like, I'm going to be a peace hoper and a peace wisher, and I'm going to watch NFL today. Nothing wrong with NFL. I think it might be anointed. I don't know. But I want you to be a peacemaker. Can we pray together? Lord, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. We have witnessed your awesome deeds today, and we glory in Christ. We have heard the gospel. And I pray today, God, that the gospel would penetrate hearts that it's maybe never penetrated before, that somebody would be open to crying out to Jesus and saying, Jesus, have mercy on me and save me today. Change my life. Let me make peace with you through your son, Jesus. If anybody is willing to say that prayer, would you just hold your hand up? I just want to know if there's anybody today that's willing to pray that prayer. Would you just hold your hand up to the heavens? You know what that tells me? Then we need to go find some people this week and say, man, you need to come. The gospel is proclaimed in the house at Ryan Road. Jesus is a peacemaker. And the church said, and you know what you get to do now? You get to leave. You get to go home and to be a peacemaker. Go. In the name of Christ and bring peace.